All right, what is up? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, as we get started, we want you guys to know two very important things. That you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply. As always, you can find all the links for all the things. Check us out, buddywalkwithjesus.com. Down there, you'll find links for everything from the Facebook page, the group that we have started, some of that sweet Buddy Walk swag, as well as the Patreon to be able to support the ministry. Last but not least, as always, if you are in need of prayer, do not hesitate to reach out. Prayer at BuddyWalkWithJesus.com. So, it's happening again, um, not by choice this time, but say lovey, I am back at it by myself, and I want to continue unpacking some of what has been going on uh, between God and I in my head, um, some of the things that I have been mulling over during this season of my life, and... You know, I've been going through this book called From the Grave by A.W. Tozer. And the idea is that it highlights this whole idea of um, a theology of suffering, a theology of going deeper, relationship with God, all of those kinds of things. And I'll be the first one to admit. Okay, so it gets a little um, kids these days-ish in certain regards, but... There's a lot of really finer points that it takes somebody who is willing to um, be a little bit more heavy-handed to really convey in the appropriate way. Now, not every single conversation needs to be heavy-handed. Not every single conversation needs to be heavy, but some of them do. The reality is, is that some of these conversations that we need to have as citizens of the kingdom of God have to be treated with the gravity that they deserve. And I think that there's room to be able to do that in a nuanced enough way where you don't necessarily have to be, you know, kids these days. But the reality is that when you look at the history of not just the church, but going back through biblical history, you see ebbs and flows in the people of God that there's nothing new under the sun. So to say kids these days implies the fact that this is, you know, new, that people nowadays are doing something that didn't have its own version hundreds of years ago. And so I look at the world around me, right, And I guess I can't help but look at the fact that, you know, from everything going on on social media, everything going on around the world, everything going on in other countries, everything going on in general, that this is the current day manifestation of the very things that Jesus said that would happen. You know, the conflict that Jesus said would happen. The out-of-pocket way of acting that Jesus said was going to happen. And so 
I'm I'm looking at everything, right? And one of the biggest questions that I've been asking throughout my time as a Christian is what is it for? What is the purpose? You know, I, I having grown up in the context that I grew up, I've seen a fully realized version of the rituals, the routines, all of it. That you can, That's why I am so adamant about talking about the fact that you can have literally all of it without having a relationship with God. And that's, I used to mean that in a way of, you know, hurt people, hurt people sort of thing, where I was hurt by legalism, and so I wanted to hurt legalists. If you've stayed with the show, you know that just a couple of short, you know, six months ago, maybe a little bit more, you would have heard something much different come out of my mouth. You would have heard me railing against legalism and trying to hurt the position of the legalist and things like that. And now I'm looking at this, and yeah, it can be a little dry, talking about things like doctrine, talking about things like what do you believe, and all of those kinds of things. It's a lot more engaging to the human to talk about the life application stuff. And that I love because we are Christians in the every single day. We're not just Christians on Sundays. We're not just Christians when we're doing Bible study or when we're in prayer or all of those kinds of things. We're Christians in all of it. The good, the bad, the indifferent, and everything in between. That's why I care so deeply about talking about this life application layer because there's a lot of us that have taken through, that have been taken through the pieces of life by whatever means, by whatever situation, by whatever context. We've experienced the ups and downs and the reality of life and just being painfully honest for a second the overemphasizing of rules and legalism kind of leaves a lot to be desired for the person that's experienced real life however i will be the first person that admits to the fact that it is very tempting and very easy to go too far to throw the baby out with the bathwater so to speak when it comes to grace versus rules I don't think that's an either or sort of prospect I think that's a yes and and I think that that's probably been one of the things that's tripped me up the most when understanding the full weight and dichotomy of this relationship with God and kind of how this all works. And so one of the things that has been jumping off the page to me over the last several weeks, and I guess several months at this point, is this whole idea of going deeper with God, daring to go out into the deep end. And the last time that I 
did a solo episode, I talked about the necessity of a sacrifice when daring to go deep with God. And I'm not sure I fully explained myself in a way that was appropriate last time. And so I guess more fully unpacked in my head as we continue to go deeper with God we shed some of the weight and baggage of the former life of the self and I think one of the things that has been the most impactful for me as I've continued down this road of Christianity and all of that is the idea that, like I said before, we're still human. We still experience life. And so when we come to the cross, it's not like we start completely fresh from the flesh and blood and mental standpoint. Yes, we have an entirely new context. Everything has changed, all of those kinds of things. But we still step into this relationship with God with all of the same baggage that we had before. And yes, we have a new way to work that out and a way to figure that out and all of those kinds of things. But we still step into this relationship with the issues that we had coming in, the experiences that we had previously both the good and the bad, both the ones that we've worked out and the ones that we haven't worked out. And I think that coupled with a theology that says, okay, you're saved. You've done the thing. You've checked that box. You've made that transaction you've prayed that prayer you're good is one of the most destructive combinations that you can have within this whole arena there's a misunderstanding to our approach when it comes to this relationship with God there's this misunderstanding that we're good when we make that transaction when we have that that's literally so that taken to the nth degree is exactly why you have a contingent of people that are sensitive against messages that are like turn and burn you know that are like you're going to hell if you don't do x y or z get your fire insurance today there was an entire generation that that was the version of a false gospel that people talked about. Why are we surprised that the answer to that is an entire generation of people that are now turning around and saying that you don't need any of the dogma rules, any of that kind of stuff? That shouldn't come as a surprise if we understand how humans operate. That's the answer to that. But before there was prosperity gospel, before there was what we know today as progressive Christianity, there was a whole emphasis 
on that kind of transactional relationship. And now that same type of transactional relationship is being taken to the other side. And so I don't want to get caught up in any particular point is the wrong point because there's been countless wrong points and there'll be countless wrong points in the future. From my current vantage point, it seems like to me what matters in all of this is A, understanding that there is a misunderstanding and B, answering that misunderstanding. One of the things that has always bared so much significance to me as a Christian is grace. Radical and unadulterated grace. That ridiculous grace that brings a sinner to sainthood. That ridiculous grace that we can put our hope and our faith in. And one of the things that we need to be honest about is part of that grace, if that grace is able to be given, then we need to understand the weight of the giver. And we need to understand the weight of how all of it works. Again, we're not trying to do turn and burn. We're not trying to say God's going to send you to hell if you don't do X, Y, or Z. That's literally not, you know, we can't negotiate our way out of the fact that these things exist. But also, we can't overemphasize and add things to that don't actually belong. And I'll be honest, I think both of them are born out of a version of spiritual complacency. And I think that that's a problem that is widespread and a byproduct of the human condition, right? On one side, you have people that are so unwilling to recognize that there is more to life than rules and regulations and depending on yourself to be able to follow all of the rules and things like that. On the other side, you have people that are basically equating to actions don't have consequences. That fine line between understanding that we are all sinners in need of grace and taking that and having no desire to grow in relationship with God, no desire to embrace and dig into the things of God that naturally put us in opposition to that desire to satisfy the sinful flesh and the sinful desires of this world. And so on both sides, now now we've found common ground. Now we've 
gotten somewhere because we can look at okay what is this thing that propels humans to continue making bad choices and ultimately it's the self ultimately it's sin nature yes all of those kinds of things but i think one of the biggest symptoms and byproducts of that is this whole idea of spiritual complacency and unfortunately in this country we are doing ourselves no favors for a lot of people's context of Sunday morning to try and dispel this myth one of the coolest aspects of being a part of the buddy walk community and being on this adventure is getting a chance to meet people from all over the world even if it's digitally you know i have conversations with some of you guys from india some of you guys from africa some of you guys from germany and so on and so on and everybody's context is so different when I talk to everybody, they come to this whole God thing in vastly different ways with vastly different experiences because they're in different parts of the world. And I get to hear some of these stories of God moving in different cultures where there aren't the same hangups. Yeah, their own cultures have their own versions of hangups. Every culture does. Every people group does. But it's really cool to see that there isn't the same kind of focus on the things that are focused on here in America. And I'm not trying to bash the American church. I'm trying to be real about the fact that a lot of times people are taught, even if subconsciously, that where they're at is more than enough and for me one of the biggest blessings that god has given me and this is 100 percent a god thing and i can see this through the power of hindsight i have always been the type of person to ask how do things work how does this work yeah but why and for a long time it was that very way of thinking that very style of asking questions that kept me away from god that what that acted as the barrier between god and i and that's a whole preponderance of me not actually listening me wanting to satisfy the sinful self rather than you know, uh, engaging with God and all of those kinds of things, all of the human hangups that got in the way. But it's that same kind of nature that now God has redeemed to for me to continue to poke and prod. And like I said at the top of this thing, one of the questions that I continue to ask over and over again is why? What is this life for what is the purpose of our time here on earth if i'm an all-knowing creator god then why do i create people that are prone to wander and mess up and sin and all of those kinds of things and you know that in and of itself is its own conversation in a lot of regards 
Um, that is something that <laughs> we we will never fully understand. You know, yes, there are aspects of it that we understand, but to fully and completely understand that is to fully and completely understand God. And the reality is, is that we don't. You know, we have a very good picture of God's character, but we need to be real about what God has not given us in the Bible and what God has said about the fact that he is vast and infinite. One of the things as I work this thing out that God continues to bring to me is this whole idea of active participatory relationship and that is starting to dovetail into conversations between god and i about spiritual maturity trying to understand what it means to be spiritually mature and also how you get there you know that might seem like a common sense sort of question but if it were common sense then why don't we have more spiritually mature christians and if i'm being honest i can absolutely see aspects of my personality that are not completely forged that have a lot of room to grow in maturity and grow as and for me to grow as a person so i sit here now Honestly, reevaluating some of what I thought I understood about this walk with God. And I mean that more in the sense of not dispelling bad thoughts, but more having a bigger picture of how all of this works. I've been going through the first five books of the Bible. And I think this is going to end up going into a season of going cover to cover again. And it's helped me to see a wide angle view of the character of God. Because we see God operating in a much different time than ours, in a much different context than ours. But it's the same God. It's the same personality traits. We can look at the same God from cover to cover. And I understand that the Old Testament is thick in certain spots. It is hard in certain spots because there are very different things happening. During that time, it was a different context with a different people. Same God, though. And I look at these biblical titans if you will abraham isaac jacob joseph onto paul peter john so on and so forth and so on i let david i left out so many people on the table but my point is we see a continued emphasis even before they were able to teach out of what we know today as the Old Testament. When that was being written, we're still seeing people that through situation, through circumstance, through experience, through effort, through 
all of it through relationship with God, we're pushed and propelled to go deeper. And we see through the the whole of the first five books of the Bible, the law, right? What does the law do? The law convicts. And when we look at the execution of the law in the Old Testament, it is very clear, or at least it should be today, that, that we're, we're pointing to Jesus, guys. We're pointing to Jesus. This whole thing, this is pointing to Jesus. The need for a savior, the need for a perfect sacrifice, the need for something outside of ourselves to be able to save humanity. Humanity has shown over and over and over again that we cannot do it. We are not good enough. We are not strong enough. We are not enough of a lot of things. Now, everything that I just said in the hands of a wrong person can be really dangerous and very damaging. I get that. I'm flirting in territory that might be a little bit triggering for some. I get that. At a different point in my life, what I'm talking about would have been triggering to me. There's a younger version of me that would be flabbergasted to hear some of these things talked about. But the biggest paradigm shift that can happen that makes so much of this so much more understandable is the fact that we are not the main character. We need to let that sink in. If we reorient to understand that the main character of the story has always been God, that we are the ancillary character, we are the character that's given importance because of the main character, then so much of this idea of going deeper with God, of allowing the impact and gravity and weight of the indwelling of Holy Spirit have a very real and tangible impact on our lives, all of that makes so much more sense. And to go back to the whole going deep requires a sacrifice. That requires of us to sacrifice of ourselves ourself it requires the sacrifice of our complacency it requires a sacrifice of comfort of the things that make us feel good about staying where we're at about not growing spiritually about not growing as a person and the beautiful thing that i'm finding as i continue down this road is that that trust that's needed for all of this is met by god i've talked about before this experience that i had of you know feeling this question lay on me of do you know me yeah god i know you obviously i know you do you trust me 
That's an entirely different question. And to do what I'm talking about requires trust bought in, sold out that says, you know what? I'm putting my faith in this. I'm I'm pushing the chips across the table and I'm going all in. And it's so funny the way things move, the way things change, the way things progress. I absolutely used to not understand and even go as far as to have commentary about people that were bought in, sold out. How do you know? How do you know that what you're buying into is legit? How can you, what if you're wrong? And answering that question is an episode in and of itself and all of my experiences that have led up to the fact that I, I actively desire for the type of relationship that is bought and sold out. That active, I actively desire the type of relationship that is, you know what? I'm going all in and I'm not looking back. And I want everything that goes along with that. But to get there, I need to go through the pruning process. I need to go through the fires that burn away the parts of me that want creature comforts, that want the easy, that want to be able to rest on what I know without growing in the ways that I need to grow because growth is painful. I'm struck by the words of Paul when I consider all of this and his desire to follow in the footsteps of Jesus so that he may know Jesus better. And we're talking about Paul, guys. We're talking about the guy that's probably quoted more than anybody else from the Bible. We're talking about the apostle that probably had the biggest impact. And we're talking about a guy that was actively desiring in his life to do the things and experience the things that Jesus experienced with the hopes of getting to know him better, to growing in relationship with him. And that's a very terrifying prospect. I wish I could sit here and tell you in full faith and confidence that, yeah, I'll do, I'll, I'll drink from that cup, pass that cup over here. I'm, I'm working on it. If I'm just being real, I, I want, I want that. I do. And half of that whole equation is wanting it, having a desire to want that, but having a desire for that is only half of the equation. You need to do the things that allow for that kind of growth to take place. And now is when we get into that whole conversation of what does it mean to be spiritually mature? What does it mean to desire the things of God? What does it mean to put in procedure in place 
Is the end-all be-all going to be how many times that you read your Bible in your life? No. Is the end-all be-all going to be how many times you went cover to cover? No. How about Sunday morning? No. That's not the end-all be-all. The end-all be-all is relationship with God. He put all of those things in place for a reason. And I'm learning that. I will, again, be the first one to admit that that wasn't always the case. And God is so gracious and patient. I'm getting it. You know, I wanted so bad this whole idea of I desire this relationship with God. I want to be intimate with God. I want to know God. I want the kind of relationship that we have in on display in the Old Testament. And by that, I mean you had people that were so unencumbered by the world that they had open dialogue with God. There was that kind of experience factor and that kind of very tangible relationship. And now, no, I don't want to get into the whole semantics of, you know, whether or not those types of things are meant to happen. I'm not saying I want to, you know, have visions and all of those kinds of things, but there's a reality of depth of relationship that exists that I so desperately want that I long to have with God. And that means that I need to be willing to let things go and to change and to grow in my relationship with God. Galatians 2.20 says, I am, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ that lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's a part of me that so vibes with Psalm 42:2. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Like I said, I'm not trying to play like I don't still experience things of the flesh, things of this world. You know, that that's all I want. But when that is a desire, camping there and doing things to cultivate that matters. And that's something that really needs to be emphasized when talking about all of these things. Because like I said, it's only half of it to want that thing. The other half is to do the things to get there. That is a fact of life that almost seems easier to reach for for things of the world, right? You want to lose weight? What do you do? You do all of the boring stuff that nobody wants to do. How did I lose a couple hundred pounds? By eating right and exercising. I didn't take a magic potion. I didn't take somebody's gimmick. But it seems like when we orient to God... Humans have this bad fallacy of treating that like it's just rules. And this is mirror talk. Remember, this is mirror talk. I said everything that I said before. It's, that doesn't. What I'm saying now doesn't discredit that. 
that I was right there. That I viewed these things as some perversion of the truth. And then it dawned on me. God gave us this picture of who he is. Contained in the words of scripture. God gave us a look on how he has historically acted with humanity. How he has worked with humanity. He has given us context clues within our world's history. If you are willing to look at them. If you are willing to earnestly go on that voyage, there's so much that you can find. So much that validates the claims, the extraordinary claims that are made by the Bible. But at the end of the day, you can have the mountain of paperwork. You can have the mountain of evidence. You can have every single thing beat for beat. And trust me, there's tons. If you take the time to look, there is a monumental amount of evidence that exists for the validity of everything that the Bible claims to be true. But at the end of the day, it still takes faith. It still takes allowing God to divinely persuade you into the things of truth. And being in a posture to accept that. And we have people like Ezekiel. Who saw visions of God. That he was a man of God. We have people like Paul. Who experienced tangibly an encounter with Jesus. We have this man that knew the rules and regs and procedures and went after Jesus's people until that radically life-changing thing happened. And we have these examples of men that understood that it was not an either or it was a yes and sort of situation people that understood that it's not enough to just desire a relationship with God it's not enough to follow the rules to a T that when you desire and then put into practice the things that God has given us, that cultivates change. It's not because of the works. It's because it's God and it's God's material. It's the Bible, divinely inspired. It's the movement of Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity. It's, the, it's all as a result of what Jesus did, part of the Trinity sent by the father do we understand that as you trace the steps back it has to do with god it doesn't have to do with us so i'm not sitting here saying that we need to just be and do more it's that we have been given tools we need to learn how to use the tools 
And as I've gone through this process, there's been so much of this that has looked like and continues to look like regimented activity. What do I get up in the morning and do? I get up in the morning, I make a pot of coffee, I listen to the Bible, and I work out. That, that's my morning, guys. And I don't think that, you know, doing this for 365 days is going to be the key to all of it. No, no. I am contemplatively approaching the Bible and my time in the Word. I am posturing myself in prayer in a way that has dialogue with the Creator. One of the most unfortunate misnomers is that prayer is a monologue. And I know that I am coming against some of the most popular Christian teachers of our current generation by saying that. No, I don't hear an audible voice. No, I've never heard an audible voice. But at this point in my life, those urges, those longings on my heart that I can't shake, those are more impactful than a burning bush. Not to say that I walk around and seeing a whole bunch of burning bushes, but I know me and I know I would dissect something that if I saw that, is that, is that just my mind going playing tricks on me? Did I hallucinate that? Did I do? But if I can't shake this feeling, right? You know, I'll, I'll be I'll be real with y'all. I, my, a big part of my nine to five is what would be considered a career. Most people would look at that and be like, "Oh, cool. You you've got it. You you've un, you understand what you do for a living." And then you can have all of this broadcasting stuff on the side. Then on the weekends, you can go and speak and minister and do the things and 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 evangelize and all of those kinds of things. Except that isn't what I'm called towards. I'm being called towards ministry full-time ministry full-time and that is the difference maker that changes everything and i cannot shake this feeling that by all reason and rationality doesn't make any sense by the human standard of rationality it doesn't make any sense and sometimes life just be like that. And when those kinds of things happen, you need to pay attention and take them to God. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that every single longing, every single desire is all about God and all this kind of stuff. No, 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 no. Please don't catch that. You got you to gotta work this stuff out with God. As these desires approach, as these things approach, because not every single desire is of God. But how do I get there? How do I... How do I effectively teach and minister and live this thing out well i spend time in the word every single day i spend spend time in prayer every single day somebody else may look at my routine and say man that's regimented man that's legalistic man you must think that your actions are gonna save you but it's so that way i can get to know god better because that's what I want. Because at the end of the day, it's not about me. If When it was about me, when my life was about me, 
I ran that thing off the rails. I was so far out of pocket when I finally found Jesus that I got to look at it now. If I'm being honest, if I'm not just allowing for my own self-interest to mask the reality of the situation, then I need to be real about the fact that I shouldn't be left in charge. I should not be the one that's left in charge of this situation. You know, I'm not capable. So we've talked about the right orientation. We've talked about avoiding complacency and allowing for our own self-interests to be the things that die away. And we've covered the active tools that God has given us. The opportunities for conversation. Getting into the word. Things like that. That we have been given to grow and cultivate this relationship. Now, why? Why do all of this? Because I think on the other side of this. Because I think as we grow in this. There is freedom to be had. Real, unadulterated freedom. The problem with moral relativism is it gives you fake freedom. It makes you believe that the freedom exists in having your cake and eating it too. The freedom exists in being able to have a God-coded version of whatever you want. Now, the issue is is that may give you what you want, but when that is taught as how God operates, then that has really messed up implications on other parts of the world or other people. And so, what does this look like? What does freedom look like? Freedom looks like God looking at us and saying, go play. You have the assumption of right understanding displayed in the Bible. Jesus spoke these things. You will have greater things than these. He spoke, um, asking you shall receive. All of these things, these are all part of, this was all part of what Jesus talked about. And we can't negotiate our way away from the fact that Jesus said those things. But they've been taken in isolated, out-of-context positions that, man, allow for some really wackadoo stuff to take place. And there's no a million caveats given by Jesus because the, the rest of the entirety of Scripture acts as the caveat, acts as the, the translation point. And when we take all of it together, we have a much clearer picture of what Jesus was getting at and the character of God and what God wants out of all of this. What all of this looks like in full and complete application. That's part of why when we take it in isolated, out of context positions, it gets so messed up. It gets so weird. And if I'm being honest... If we can get out of our own way with coming to God with the one hand out, you know what I mean? And that might seem harsh, 
because there are some very valid things that get asked about. Some of the things that get asked about are the ending of wars. Some of the things that get asked about is for the healing to come. Is for some the day to be saved in some way, shape, or form. This is real stuff. I'm not saying that the requests are invalid. But whether or not God came through in that situation, whether or not God is faithful, can't hang contingent on whether or not that prayer was answered. And that's a tough pill to swallow. That's a really, really difficult thing for some people to process. Because that means that God's sovereignty is not tied to how things work out for us here on earth. But the one thing that that does do when we can fully accept that, that suddenly puts all of the emphasis on God in the hope that we have in him. The hope that we have that's external from us. And you know what? It may work out the first time. It may work out one of the times. But that's not a guarantee that it's not... These problems, they keep coming. We're carbon-based life forms. We Our bodies degrade. We're sinful creatures. We keep making mistakes. That's the beauty of the hope that we have in God. But if we put our faith contingent on what we view to be God's provision, then eventually... In our minds, God is going to come up short because one of those times, it's not going to turn out aces. And that's hard. Especially if you're the type of person that has seen that very concept played out to an unfortunate degree. And that's what gets into the whole idea of the theology of suffering and the suffering saint and all of those kinds of things that is an entirely different conversation. As I continue to grow and as I continue to learn, the thing that continues to stand out to me in trying to answer this question, what is this life for? In trying to figure out what is the responsibility of the citizen of God's kingdom here on earth, what does that look like in real life application? When we approach God and we don't have a handout and we say, you are Lord, you are King. That regardless of whether or not it comes up snake eyes or aces, that you are in control, you are good, you are God. Then it opens the door for us to understand what the Bible's trying to say about the rules of engagement and proper conduct. And when we can get past go and we can start to explore and do the things that are called of us, act the way that we are called to act, and truly live this thing out in a way that's radical, that's revolutionary... Then we have the opportunity to go out and play. 
God says, go out and play. I wish that there was a chapter and verse for where should I live? What should I do for a living? All of those kinds of things. I wish I could point to something formulaic sometimes because man, that would make navigating this life so much easier at certain times. But the reality is, is that there are some choices we can't point to a chapter and verse and say, thou shalt live in this part of the country, this part of the world. This is how you get a job in ministry. Man, Yeshevitz, I wish there was, but there's not. What we can, what we have to fall back on is what we know to be true of God, that God is King, God is Lord, and as we go out and do, we go out and do in the name of God, following all of the asterisks that are put forth as far as Scripture goes. What we do, what we think, what we say cannot conflict with Scripture. That's just the reality of the situation. There is no such thing as personal revelation. God's not going to tell you to do a thing or to condone a thing or to believe in a thing that goes against what Scripture says. But once we get off go, then the world is your oyster in proper context. And we have real freedom. We don't have freedom that's subject to the pitfalls of this world. When the freedom is on us, then that is subject to all of the corruption that this world has to offer, whether or not it happens immediately or not. And so, in comparison, what we have is the road that leads to destruction versus the road that leads to life. And if we're on that road, there's a lot of freedom. There's fake freedom on the other side, but there's a lot of freedom to be able to live your life in the name of God. To live according to the commands and what is set forth and still live an adventure and do things and experience this life. I wish God would just tell me on a big flashing billboard, you, your wife, and your cats are supposed to live here. This is the pathway to living in the right spot, doing the right gig, feeling fully within purpose and all of those things that I struggle with. There's not, and that's part of real life. And the best I got is living according to what God calls me to live, being the husband that God calls me to be. I feel like I have simultaneously spoken so much about so many things but also have just started scratching the surface as far as these things go because I don't know about you guys but this is radically different than what I have come to understand from a Sunday morning or from church or from teachings that were poured into me growing up and things like that and I know for a lot of people that same kind of notion is likely true. And so 
it feels like there's still so much left to say. So, you know, as I bring this thing in for a landing, you know, let me know if this is the sort of thing that is beneficial to unpack these things, to talk about this. You know, we are a community, not just in the buddy walk sense, but as believers, that's what the whole buddy walk ministry is about, is coming together and living this out together. So I want you guys to understand, we are in this together. Being citizens of the kingdom of God, but inhabitants of this world is a tough place to be. And I never want to skirt that. I never want to downplay the fact that it is difficult walking between worlds. But through the grace and power of God and with the help of the community of the saints, we can do it. So don't be afraid to engage with the community, guys. Because we are here to lift each other up. We are here to walk with each other. With that, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to be able to unpack these things, to be able to talk about these things. Father, I thank you for the wonderful gift of freedom, for the wonderful gift of your goodness, your mercies, and everything that we have in you. Father, I thank you that you are patient with us, that we may come to realize what this life is about. Father, I pray for your people. Father, continue to be patient with us. As humanity continues down this road of being humans, I pray that your your spirit be over your people, that we be awake and aware of you and of the spiritual nature of this world. Father, I thank you for who and what you are. In Jesus' name, amen.